welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by the Headset app. Are you looking for a simple solution for coach to catcher communication for the season that doesn't require bulky hardware in the dugout? Traditional communication gear can be a headache to set up and carry from game to game. But what if there's a game-changing solution? Introducing the Headset app, your new MVP in communication for coaches and catchers. Enjoy crystal clear, ultra HD audio without the major league price tag. It's compatible with any Bluetooth headset or earbuds. Say goodbye to tangled wires and extra hardware. Ready to step up to the plate? Download the Headset app for free today. Getting started is as easy as a home run trot. Create your account, invite your team, and start calling pitches. The Headset app is ready for download in the App Store and on Google Play. Swing for the fences and download today to get a five-day free trial. And for a limited time, use ABCA24 when you buy your pass for next season and save 10%. Find out more at theheadsetapp.com. Joining us this week on the ABCA podcast is 2024 ABCA Hall of Fame class inductee Chelsea High School head coach and athletic director Wayne Welton. Walton spent more than 30 years coaching the Bulldogs and became the Ann Arbor area's winningest coach with 767 wins, including a Class B state title in 1991. Welton also earned 13 Southeastern Conference titles and eight regional championships. Chelsea Native also served as the school's athletic director for more than two decades and spent 10 years as the director of baseball at the University of Michigan. He worked for Rich Maloney and Eric Backage during his tenure with the Wolverines, helping them to a runner-up finish at the 2019 College World Series. Welton is still active with the MHSAA, helping mentor first-time athletic directors, and was inducted into their Hall of Fame in 2003. Let's welcome Wayne Welton to the podcast. So are you still working at Chelsea then? I'm not. I finished uh, a pinch-hitting duty for five months last last, uh, February to end the beginning of July. So I'm uh, currently uh, commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, which is a high school conference of 14 schools in the area. Okay. Help the principals and ADs run their meetings. And I'm mentoring 18 first-year athletic directors across the state of Michigan in a in a new program the MHSAA has started. So, 
are here with Wayne Welton, uh, Michigan High School Coaches Association Hall of Famer in 2003. Uh, finished with 767 wins and 32 seasons at Chelsea High School, but inductee in the ABCA Hall of Fame this year. Uh, came out of retirement, I guess, and was AD for briefly last year, and, and now you're doing a bunch of stuff for the Michigan High School Coaches Association. So, Wayne, thanks for jumping on with me. Appreciate it, Coach. Thanks for having me. Are you ever going to stop working? No, I don't think so. I'm, you know, I, I'm a guy that likes to stay busy and, and stay active. I think it keeps me not just relevant, but healthier. And uh, so, no, I, I'm, I'll stay working until I can't. Yeah, that's a longevity piece. Um, I, I do read a lot on longevity, and um, they do talk about that a lot, that people stay, you know, maybe not involved in their profession, but usually it's within their profession. They'll stay involved at, at in some capacity and, until they can't do it. And those are the people that live the longest. So I give you credit for that. I appreciate it. And uh, I've been blessed uh, over this 47 year work career to work in some great places. And uh, I tell people and it's cliche ish, I suppose, but I really never worked a day in my life. The way I like to say it, Ryan is, I've never got up one time and didn't want to go to work. So not once. So, Did you work for three different head coaches at Michigan in your time there? Just two. Just, Just two. Uh, Rich and Eric Package. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that's when you and I first interacted when you got there. Um, right. So that's how you and I met. But, you know, everybody in that area knew you. So um, I think that uh, that weekend was when your Western Illinois team came and beat us two out of three at Adrian College. <laughs> I put that in my notes. That might have been the coldest weekend I've ever coached. At oh, that was uh, Coach Backish and I will look back on that weekend occasionally and uh, we're able to laugh a little bit now, but we weren't laughing then. <laughs> no, and, you know, you're just trying to get games in. and. Right. You know, that, that's the unique thing, I think, with the baseball community is he called me and he was like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't mind. We just need to get the games in. But I actually ended up turning it into like a home series for us because we would beat you guys to the field because we stayed closer and you guys were, were bussing over from right. Ann Arbor and, and we ended up staying close to Adrian. So it ended up being a basically a home series for us because you guys had to travel a little bit further. You know, and, and, you know, there's so many fun stories about that weekend of just trying to make it work. Like the, the last day, because Adrian, I, you know, shout out to Adrian for letting us play there. But they sure. had played after us on Saturday. And so when we showed up at the ballpark on Sunday, the, the bullpen mounds were frozen. And so yeah. I had to call Eric and be like, hey, the, we nobody's going to be able to get on these mounds. So... We were pulling people out of the indoor facility. It was like professional right. wrestling where you would send guys down and you're trying to get them out of the facility to come out. But there's a lot of distractions. But, you know, again, you're just trying to get games in. And um, right. Huge tip of the cap to Craig Rainey at Adrian yes. College for working with us. And, you know, he's a Hall of Fame guy in his own right. So it was quite well, a weekend. You know, and that, that was a little bit of a switch for you coming over. You're on the high school side forever, you know, and right. – um. You know, was it difficult for you having to work for somebody else again? And you hadn't had to do that for a long time. Well, I, I, that's a great question. I, I would say no, uh, just because of the quality, quality of people I got to go work with and work for. And, you know, when Rich Maloney, whose son Alex played for us at Chelsea, 
Um, and I'd work Rich's camps for the years he was at Michigan, uh, called and said he had an opening and I just stepped down at Chelsea, retired and knew I wanted to work, didn't know doing what. And I think I told Rich no three times before he finally got me at breakfast and uh, he finally said yes. And we had an incredible year working uh, together. And, you know, then Eric Backage came in and, and uh, called me one Saturday morning right after he was hired and we had lunch and uh the short story is eric said you're in and i said in for what because i was just breaking down the roster for him and uh so he said oh, i need you on the staff we'll figure it out later so long story short nine years with eric and one with rich great guys future hall of famers both of them yeah do you think your skill set i mean you've been in the game forever as a coach and athletic director and you move into the ops position with eric with your skill set that's probably perfect fit for somebody isn't it well, it was it it fit my skill set and that you know, I had been an AD for twenty-three years, so and helping Eric manage budgets and manage people and the day-to-day details that aren't involved with coaching. Um, I was, you know, my goal was to just take things off Eric's plate. And you know, I always have considered myself a coach and whether that's coaching coaches or coaching student athletes at high school or college level. And that's how I've always viewed myself. And, you know, to be on the field with Rich that one year as an assistant was uh, a lot of fun, even though our season may not have been what we wanted. Um, it was a great 10-year run at Michigan and, you know, 33 at Chelsea and that do them both again in a second. Were there any differences working with high school kids and college kids? You know, the talent level is different, but the game, uh, you you teach the game and I didn't find that, you know, I heard Eric and Rich both say things differently or the pitching coaches that, you know, that I was around at Michigan, um, uh, the incredible staffs that both Rich and Eric had, you know, you learn different ways of saying things, but you're teaching the game of baseball and you're coaching kids and trying to help them be better people along the way. And so I would say no to that uh, other than the level of player for sure. I mean, what has the state of Michigan meant to you? Well, it's it's an incredible career I've had. Uh, the friendships made, Ryan, along the way, the people I've learned from and got to rub shoulders with has meant everything. And I know whatever I gave, either the high school baseball coaches association or coaches along the way, I got back tenfold. Um, like I said, I've been a lucky guy to work in two incredible places, my hometown of Chelsea and then the University of Michigan. So it doesn't yeah. get much better than that. It's a good crew. I spoke at the Michigan Clinic last year, so that's a great crew. I had a good time in Mount Pleasant with everybody. You can tell it's a, it's a tight-knit group, that, that crew is in Michigan. It's a, it's a really good group of people who are invested in the game for the right reasons. And what was your first job growing up? Well, I graduated from Central Michigan and, and played one year there um, out of high school. I was a three-sport high school athlete at Chelsea and quarterback and uh, went and played for Dave Kylitz actually at, at CMU one year. And in my long-range plan in my own head, I wanted to be a landscape architect. So one year at Central, I transferred to Michigan and, and uh, got into the natural resource program with the ultimate goal of being a landscape architect. And it was about three months in to that deal at Michigan. And I woke up one day and said, what are you doing? Uh, it was my first time away from being an athlete. I mean, I wasn't playing basketball or football or baseball or 
And uh, so I finished the year at Michigan, transferred back to Central, got my teaching degree. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, in the transfer back and then, I had to sit out of Michigan, sit out, coming back. So my playing career kind of, um, you know, looking back at, you know, all my choices over my whole life, I regret that one a little bit, but um, wish I'd have kept playing in some way, shape, or form. But anyway, um, uh, my mentor, um, who I guess name was Joseph Thomas Ballister, was my freshman football coach in high school, actually, was teaching at Chelsea and called me one summer afternoon right after I graduated and said, uh, Wayno, he called me, he said, uh, I'm going back home. I just stepped down at Chelsea. You should you should apply. About an hour later, the athletic director and my head football coach called and said, hey, your interview is on Monday. So I ended up back home uh, in Chelsea. Uh, that was the one and only real interview I've ever had. And uh, spent 33 years at Chelsea and coached football and basketball. And all, all 33 years, I was the head baseball coach. And uh, 20, my last 23 years as the athletic director as well. Did the kids change much over the years? I'd say no to that. Um, I think everything but the kids has changed, you know. Um, but the kids, they just want you to coach them and care about them and love them and teach them. And, and, uh, you know, what we tried to do at Chelsea over the years was, you know, we assembled an incredible coaching staff of really good guys. And, you know, I can remember how that all unfolded over the years from me doing it by myself year one, getting the job, uh, two weeks before the season started. And, um, trying to just make it work and thought to myself afterwards, can't do this by myself. So we ended up assembling a really crew of around six guys, most every year that, that love baseball were great guys. And um, I always looked at it coaches. If you can find the right people, you can teach them how to coach baseball. So that was our mission along the way. We had a, had a motto of working hard and having fun and, I think sometimes we all miss the having fun piece. Um, it needs to be fun. And I think all the other stuff that comes with working hard and having fun just kind of takes care of itself. How did you handle accountability with them, with the kids? It was really easy. We had, I'm a man of few rules and uh, we just had great expectations and we made it fun. I, I think the real answer for me to that is when kids want to be there, um, there aren't many issues. And so we, we worked hard and there were a lot of hours on the practice fields, but I love practice. And I think the games are for the kids and you do the work at practice. And we just tried to do everything at uh, warp speed and uh, had fun and broke it down. And we always said that no one would outwork us. And uh, along the way, no one would have more fun. Me, who'd you lean on with, from a practice planning standpoint early on? Well, that's a really good question. I would say to that, Ryan, that I went to every clinic I could go to. I picked the brains of great men like Ron Ostrike at Eastern Michigan, who was a great mentor. Um, had him for a grad class at Eastern. Um, and then his his partner, Roger Coriel, was, and after that was great. And, then just, you know, getting involved with the Coaches Association was really critical for me as a young coach to begin to hang around guys that had done it. And you could 
you know, sit in the back of the room and keep your mouth shut and your eyes open and and just learn. And uh, when I would go to a clinic, I'd write down every word coach has said, and you pick and choose what you like. And um, so, so many great clinicians over the years became part of what our program unfolded like at Chelsea. So did you see the class that Coach Ostrike taught on on sliding when he oh, jumped yeah. up in his cleats? Oh, yeah. Sure did. <laughs> yep. We had Coach Ostrike, uh, for, for, like I said, for a grad class, and we got to the end of the end of the summer uh, course, and he said to all of us, he said, okay, you got two choices. You can write a 10-page paper and uh, have it in here by Monday, or I'll meet you at the Roundtree Bar and Grill uh, at 2 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, and we'll just break it down. I said, I like that option. <laughs> he was he was one all-time great person. You know, when did you feel like it was time to become an athletic director then? Uh, it was February of 1989, and our superintendent walked down and, uh, to the gym where I was teaching and said, uh, Coach, he said, our, our current AD just uh, resigned to take a position in another school district. Would you be interested in filling out the rest of the year? And in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I'm not, I'm a coach. I'm not going to not coach. Um, I was still coaching football at the time. And uh, so I said, sure, I'll, I'll finish out the rest of the year. And we agreed to talk about it after that. And I uh, made it very clear that if he ever didn't wanted an AD that wasn't also a head baseball coach, that he would have the job back and I could go back in the classroom. But So uh, Joe Piasecki was our superintendent and uh, he was a great person. And uh, so that's how it kind of unfolded. And we agreed to shook hands in the summer to keep it going and you know, I finished 23 great years as the AD and the head baseball coach at the same time. Do we miss athletic directors that don't coach? I mean, we miss that a little bit, don't we? You know, I do. Athletic I think directors we, that used to coach. I would say this, Ryan. I, I think I became a better coach because I was the AD. Yeah. I couldn't very well hold my staff accountable and not hold myself accountable. And whether that's your game day behavior or anything that we do, I, I truly believe I became a better baseball coach, coach in general, um, because I was the athletic director as well. Did you have many meetings with your other coaches, the other sports oh, yeah. teams coaches? How often? Oh, sure did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the most important thing an athletic director does is hire the coaches. If you get that right, then uh, you can, you know, learn about the vision that they have for their programs and, you can kind of stay out of their way until they need you. But get that wrong, and then the AD job is a, is a pretty tough thing. You know, your phone can ring a lot. Um, but get that right. And, uh, you know, at, at Chelsea, I was fortunate. The longevity of our coaches there and the skill level of our coaches is off the charts. So it uh, made the job much easier than, than some people haven't. How'd you manage your time with, with doing with dual jobs? Yeah, we had two young kids at the time. Uh, my son, Joe, was just a year old when I became the AD, and my daughter, Molly, was six. So they ended up uh, standing alongside me at a lot of events and games and getting in the car. And uh, there were times when you think, is that too much for them? It's, you know, but they loved it. And uh, as a result, I did too. And we made it work. Um, you know, as I mentor 18 first-year ADs around the state of Michigan right now, part of our conversations are about how do you manage the time? How do you do it? And 
And today's even different than when I first started with email and the different social media platforms that people can connect and it's instant so, access now that's it, the big it, difference it, is everyone yeah. has access to everyone immediately and you know yeah. you just you have a hard time putting it away because somebody can get a hold of you immediately for sure and i'm probably old school in that if somebody shoots me an email i just pick the phone up and call them <laughs> i'd rather talk to them on the phone or meet them face to face or go have a cup of coffee or um I think uh, I think we miss a little bit of that in today's instant uh, world. To where I mean, what would you like? Right now. What would you like to see going forward for high school athletics? Uh, I think there has to be some kind of marriage between what happens in the high school and what happens away from the high school. You know, if we just look at our game, baseball, there are so many places out there that have sprung up that are. You know, they're, whether it's a pitching, one-on-one uh, -on -one pitching thing or it's, uh, you know, I think the communication between the levels of our game is important. I remember when it first hit me, we had a sophomore right-handed pitcher that had just transferred to Chelsea uh, from another school. And he was he was a good one. Ended up, you know, pitching collegiately down the road. But he uh, late in the year, he was kind of wearing down and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was talking to our coaching staff about it. And finally, one of them said, well, you know, he's going over here twice a week to throw bullpens. And I said, what? And so immediately, first thing I was, you know, you get through being upset and uh, anything. All right. He wants to be good. I got it. Now, we want him to be good, but I got to know what he's doing because I can't train him and have the other person training them and we don't know what each other's doing so that was the first lesson for me and thinking that through and my son's a pitching coach at Selene high school now and uh we have this conversation all the time because you know they got guys that want to pitch at the next level and today's way of thinking is more is better right so you go get help or you pay for this or you pay for that and so I think somehow for me, in just looking at our game, we have to figure out a way to marry the two of them. Uh, the high school experience, which to me is still incredible to wear that hometown name on the front of your shirt and play for your community and with your buddies um, versus the experience of going out and getting better in the summer and the off season. So those, that, you know, I don't know that I'm ever going to live long enough to solve that one. But again, it gets back to me, it's communication. So I keep telling my son to pick the phone up and find out who he's working with and call him so you guys can figure it out yep. together. So yeah, if it's a community, you know, deal there, it's it's still but, about player yeah. development, no matter how that gets done, but you also have to be cognizant of keeping players healthy too. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, the arm injuries that we see at all levels of baseball now are concerning to me. Uh, so that's just a small piece of it, of course, to be able to understand, you know, Joe's throwing kids bullpens twice a week and the, you know, the summer coach or the, you know, private entrepreneur who's doing the same thing. It's just, that's not healthy. I was going to ask you if your kids stayed in athletics. Yeah. My, my son is a, a teacher coach at Celine high school, which, you know, back in my day was Celine Chelsea was the rival. Uh, so for him to end up there was kind of ironic, but he's doing great things, coaching football and baseball and, my daughter actually is uh, a CPA. She did a stint with Under Armour, 
uh, for eight years and now she works for a private software but in her spare time she has restructured their town's softball program from 20 kids uh, to over 300 kids and so occasionally i have to go out and run a clinic or a camp and like monday night she said hey what are you doing monday night we got a coaches meeting want to jump on a zoom so they've both stayed uh connected for sure and they they love athletics so when you jump on those Zoom calls, what do you relay into the coaches? Well, this one in particular was is about a U-12 uh, summer team that they're trying to develop, and they have 22 kids. So they're trying to decide one team or two teams, and an A team and a B team, or well, how does that look? Or, it's, you know, do we cut them? And so my, my message to coaches, especially at the youth and high school level, has always been keep them all, coach them all, Give them all the opportunity to wear Falston or Chelsea or Celine on the front of your shirt and enjoy that part that comes with being on a team. I think sometimes in our world, we've lost the value of just how important it is to be on a team because we're on teams of all kinds through our life, whether that's a marriage or a family or it's a work group um, or an athletic team. You've got to figure out how to best survive and work inside a team. There's nothing better than being part of a great team. So my message to a Monday night would be keep them all and figure it out <laughs> and go recruit some more. Yes. So. Yeah. Get get as many as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you chase them out at 12, you don't ever get them back. Or seldom get Especially them back. this That's generation a, of kids. Right. They'll, they'll go find another sport or another thing to do, which is great. But we love our game. So let's keep them playing as long as we can. Who's been the best player to come out of Chelsea? Well, I'd give you two answers to that. We've been surrounded by incredible athletes, um, guys who just bought in and worked really hard and loved it. Um, some of my best moments each day are hearing from those guys, whether it's a text or a call or it's, you know, a Facebook post or something. But we had a, uh, in the same class, our 91 state title team had two incredibly gifted players. One of them was a, uh, right-handed pitcher slash first baseman by the name of Jake Rendell who went to Michigan State and played in the Mids Midland Redskins in the summer and was incredibly gifted, 6'4", gold glove guy who could really hit. Um, bounced around a little bit in college from Michigan State to Central um, Michigan. and uh, But the catcher on that team, his name is Adam Taylor. Adam now is the head baseball coach at Chelsea, came back and had uh, six seasons in the minor leagues with the Indians after playing collegially at Ferris State in New Mexico. Um, and he's running the strength and conditioning programs now. He he is the most elite receiver thrower I think I've ever been around. Really tough, hard-nosed, the right kind of guy, great leader, uh, and doing great things running our program now. So those two guys uh, on the same team, actually in the same class. Um, pretty gifted player. And those those were the things about Rich's teams at Michigan is they had good catching. Yeah. They had guys. Yeah. Jeff Conkle could absolutely throw. Chris Bursett. Yeah. That was the thing. Like, you knew when you are going to go play Michigan, they were going to have somebody that could had an absolute hose behind the dish. Yeah. I would say, uh, funny you say that, um, probably some of the guys that uh, have meant the most to me at Chelsea over the years have been catchers. Yeah just because the relationship you have with them. Uh, you're in mornings uh, 
all off season and you know, the whole regular season. Um, that relationship, head coach to catcher, has always been pretty special. But that position is servant leadership. It, it you is. Know, it, you know, I think they they catchers do well in whatever they decide to when they're done playing because they're used to it's servant leadership. If you want to be good back there, you're serving the entire pitching staff, the entire defense. Like it, it just breeds servant leadership out of that position. Yeah, and if you want to be good, you you have to be good back there. The worst sound in baseball is a uh, a ball hitting that chain link fence behind the dish. There's nothing worse than that. <laughs> I always said if. Catchers are like umpires. If you know they're back there, that's not a good thing. That's right. <laughs> if you want to win a game, have a good I.O. and let your catchers throw some seeds a little bit, and that'll take care of the running game. <laughs> How long did you work with the Junior Olympics? It was just that one. Uh, well, I stayed in touch with Paul Silent and the USA Baseball guys for several years, but because I was the AD at the time and uh, uh, family was growing and still the head coach just uh, trying to balance everything out in my life I, I had to be careful of how many times I said yes but that summer in 95 with the Olympic Festival in Colorado Springs was uh, you know there were some great guys there Doug Wabick who we just lost yeah. uh, Coach Welton let's go out tonight uh, no Wabs not going downtown with they got to be on the field at 7 o'clock in the morning <laughs> But uh, and Mario Baracci and so, so many really good baseball guys uh, were around Paul Seiler and our whole crew that uh, that summer. Eric Campbell was at Air Force at the time and was our host. So what a I what went a one year with my dad. I think it was in Joplin, Missouri. So my dad was coaching. I was young, so I was a little kid. Talk about tagging along with your right. with your coaching parent. Um, I used to do that a lot with my dad. So whether it was events or he officiated high school football and college basketball. So when I was a little kid, I'd ride in the car with him while he went and officiated college basketball games. I'd sit there, you know, I don't know even yep. know if you can do that anymore, but I would sit there during the game while he's officiating and then keep him oh, awake good. on the ride back from Memphis or Louisville or wherever he was at. Yep. So good. And it's, it's great father son time. And, you know, my son, Joe and I have had many experiences like that one. I mean, do you feel like communication is the key to being a great coach? Or athletic director, is, is that is that the biggest key? Is communication? It, it, well, I would say if you get the if you get the coaching hires right, specifically the head coach of each sport. And you know, at Chelsea, we have twenty nine programs. We're running well over a hundred coaches on on that staff. Um, but if you get the head coach right, and, I, and there was a time, and I, I was just sharing this with someone else this morning. If you get it wrong. It doesn't feel good, you know, when you're the AD. And there was a there was a time when I I got one wrong. We were rushed from a time standpoint. And I spent the better part of three years trying to mentor and help and support, and uh, it just wasn't going to work. So, but communication is important. And to me, it's not an email. I I, I despise email, other than a short, quick sentence. Hey, I'll meet you at four o'clock tomorrow afternoon. But to express yourself or try to really say a strong message in an email to me is just, it's counterproductive. It can be misinterpreted uh, in so many ways. There's and no then, context to it. No, or it gets sent somewhere else and, you know, it just, so I, I'm more of a pick the phone up. Uh, I liked going to practice and watch other coaches practice. It made me a 
better AD made me a better coach. In fact, I'd challenge our staff every year to to go watch other people do their thing in a different sport and you know go watch our head football coach or our head volleyball coach and learn and um because we can all get better but yeah communication is really important and i'm more of a sit down and work it out face to face and i love uh just talking to coaches i mean when you first got into coaching did you lean on guys like coach o strike and then when you got into it yeah, like I said, I went to every clinic I could find, and and uh, but Codino, you know, I got the great pleasure of being around Dave Kylitz when I was young and watching Dave do his thing. I had theory of baseball from Dave Kylitz and Dean Craner. Dean Craner was, you know, forgot more baseball than most of us will ever know, um, and he was such a good teacher. Um, and even, to, you know, as much as a few years ago, I would call him and talk about the left-handed pickoff move. That was Dean, one of Coach Greener's uh, things. But, yeah, just just uh, those guys. And, you know, I think the other thing, Coach, that I would say, um, I watched a lot of coaches, whether it was watching a game on TV. I became a coach watcher. Uh, Moby Benedict taught me this years ago when he was at Michigan that he said he went to the told me story um that he went to the Tiger game the night before and I said oh yeah why they won five to three or whatever he goes well he said I I just go to a game now I just pick out one person one player to watch so he told me that night he watched Eddie Brinkman who was the Tiger shortstop he said he watched him in the dugout watched him between innings watched him in the on deck running to the field off the field between pitches and uh, I never forgot that. It was a tremendous lesson about just keeping your eyes open and learning. So over the years, I learned from watching high school coaches, college coaches, you know, pro coaches just do their thing. And you learn about things you respect, admire, would like to be about and some things that, yeah, I hope I never do that. Um, there's a lot of ways to learn. But I think those were real lessons for me. Um, and just, you know, Coach Ballister was a tremendous mentor. I named my son after Coach. I mentioned him earlier. You know, I always got to the point where, for me, anything I did, I never wanted to let him down. Uh, so that's kind of how I approached my whole career at Chelsea. I always wanted to make Chelsea proud of Chelsea. That was our goal. It was never about wins or losses or championships. I really believe that those things truly take care of themselves. If you do the rest of it right. What are some pitfalls that you're seeing with athletic directors and coaches, maybe for things, I, I always call it inexpensive experience, to give some people some inexpensive experience to, to stay away from things? A great question. Mark Yule and I at the MHSA, and Mark's a great college umpire and has worked Omaha many times, and over the years we've developed pretty good friendship. Uh, started talking about uh, last year in Michigan alone, there were 171 first-year ADs. This year, 127 more first-year ADs out of 700 high schools sponsoring sports in, in Michigan. That's almost half turnaround. So we started the MHSAA, to their credit and to Mark's credit, first in the country, an AD mentoring program. So there's seven of us retired athletic directors dividing up 127 of them. So I have 18. We're just trying to help them survive their first year on the job so they get to year two and get to year three but what happens coach is that maybe gets thrown the keys and say hey, good luck and 
And you think, oh, AD, that's fun. That's great. We'll get, you know, schedule games and get officials and transportation. And, and no, <laughs> I like to say my two German shepherds could do that. Uh, and the real work is working with coaches and developing programs and growing your program and getting a shared philosophy uh, that everybody can buy into. And part of that for me at Chelsea was as many kids as possible should be on our teams. So if we have 18 softball uniforms, let's put somebody in them. And, uh, you know, coaches by and large want to kick back on that these days. They only want the 12 that can really play and they don't want the phone calls. And Well, if you do it right, you don't get the phone calls. Uh, I believe that. And uh, so I think just uh, give, getting somebody a mentor, giving somebody an idea. You know, even at Chelsea, we have Matt Cunningham, who's the first-year athletic director. Matt played baseball at Wayne State University in Michigan. He's an attorney by trade, and has been a three-time college AD in development at Wayne State, compliance at U of M Dearborn, and the AD at St. Xavier. First year at Chelsea, he's uh, finding out that, whoa, 29 programs, 100 coaches, and now you're an assistant principal too, and you got all these other duties. It's it's not for everybody, but it's a it's a lifestyle. If you live it and love it, you can you can have a great career in it. I so, do all I do mine again in a second. So when you're mentoring them, are you giving them a checklist? Uh, you know, how are you handling that for them when you're mentoring? Well, our, our, our program is designed that we're you know, available to them. We're not giving them rule interpretations from the high school athletic association. That's what the athletic association's for. We're just trying to help them. Uh, you know, it'll be mostly text or phone calls for me. Um, I think I've made it clear that you can email me and I'll answer you and say, I'll be available tomorrow all day. Just call me. Um, Monday, I'm having all my group in uh, at Chelsea, ironically, to have a half day face to face and the first topic on our agenda is coaches, hiring them, evaluating, mentoring them, supporting them. Um, so we'll spend, you know, a quick 45 minutes trying to give aid the first year AD a different way of looking at how you interact with your coaching staff. And so it's uh, it's actually a fun job for me. I really enjoyed it. Um, again, it's the first of its kind that uh, the MHSA is is working with and for me i also say I, I mean i try to stay as involved with baseball as i can and um, you know, my son will, is ready to be a head coach and um, so when that's ready i'm guessing that my career will go back in the dugout and shake my head at all the dumb things he just did and i'll be able to tell him that <laughs> did you set goals for your coaches in your athletic department did you set goals for them i i think the goals were to uh, very simple, and then I'll say them again. Get get kids out and get them on your teams and give them a great experience and work hard. Just work hard. Treat them right, and um, if there's something you're stuck with or struggling with, let's figure it out because we can figure it out if we work together. Never, ever, uh, to any team I ever coached, I never talked about winning. I just never did. Uh, other than to say, if you stay here, you'll play for a championship someday. So I just think it's a byproduct of doing everything right. And our superintendent uh, who hired me had a plaque on his desk. It uh, was a Mark Twain quote. It said, always do right. It'll astonish some and gratify the rest. Um, so we just uh, tried to 
you know, keep it simple and really work hard and be about the right stuff. And again, our goal is to make Chelsea proud of Chelsea. Did you have a, a did you have a lengthy vetting process for your assistant coaches? I did, um, but I pretty much let the head coaches do the preliminary work. Um, but then, before they close the deal, then we'd all sit down. Um, and again, I would say this: if you get the head coach right, um, you're in a pretty good spot. Just get that one right. <laughs> Is there anything in the game you haven't done? that you would have liked to have done? You know, Eric Backus and I would sit in the office nights and jokingly laugh. And I said, coach, I, you know, he would ask me stuff. And I'd just say, you know, I haven't done your job. He goes, you, you have to. <laughs> um, but, you know, you always think the next level, you want to do something at the next level. And I'd still like to stay in it. I've, I've had some long conversations with uh, Robbie Britt, the new head coach at Eastern Michigan, and I've connected a little bit. And, um, so I I don't look back at it like that. Having been at Michigan for 10 years, there's parts of Division One college sports I think are really unhealthy, especially if, you know, you have a young family and you're trying to balance your life and, and the pressures to win at a place like Michigan, for sure. They're real. And uh, so I... When I look back at my career, I'm grateful for my 33 years at Chelsea, and I'm grateful for the 10 at Michigan too. After after that Chelsea gig, I I think sometimes in our work careers we don't know when the time is to leave and step away. Um, my dad always said, "Stay ahead of the wolves." Yeah, stay ahead real, of the wolves. Yeah, there's a real skill in knowing when it's time. And, um, there's part of me even today thinks I could still be at Chelsea and doing what I was doing, but, um, but there's also part that I'm glad I experienced the 10 years at Michigan and, you know, got to meet guys like you along the way. Cause we all learn from each other and, uh, the friendships in baseball, they're, they're incredible. They really are. You know, we talk about fail forward moments on here. Is, is you, is that you maybe not your playing career, not working out, but leading you to coaching and being an athletic director? Is that, is that a fail forward moment for you? It is. You know, I had some chances to, you know, I, I, my father passed away after my freshman year in high school. And then my dad signed a contract with the Tigers and never reported because all of a sudden my mom was pregnant and I was on the way. So he didn't report and ended up moving out to Chelsea to work for uh, Chrysler uh, Motor Company at Chrysler Proving Grounds. So um, I always look back and wonder about that playing career. Um, but when I evaluate the whole scheme of how it all unfolded, um, happy with the choices I made and the people I got to meet and who made my life pretty rich. So I tell kids that want to go into education or coaching that yeah for the most part you'll have a rich life it might not be reflected in your wallet or your bank account but in relationships and friendships and things that matter the most there's nothing better we'll do it all again in a second so i mean what type of routines do you have that help you stay on top of your schedule because you're still really active do you have any morning or evening routines i just uh take the day as it comes usually Love um, it. with this with this MHSAA thing, I never know who's going to have an issue or what what that issue might be. 
my work with the Southeastern Conference is, is a joy because I get to work with 14 really good athletic directors and 14 principals at other meetings. So, um, and then I carve some time out to go golfing with a high school teammate and a longtime friend who played actually played on two College World Series teams at Eastern Michigan. So he played second, I played short, played alongside each other for about 40 years and um, one level of baseball or, or another and stayed great friends. So, um, and I'm looking actually, I'm, I'm excited to get back, back in the dugout at some point. Uh, just when the right chance comes up and the right opportunities there. So how's your golf game? Uh, well, this summer, it's not bad. I played three times a week for the most part. Um, the last round I had, I had five birdies, so it was a good way to close out the year. The next day, I had knee replacement surgery, so, so I, that was good. When was your first ABCA convention? Oh, wow. I want to say Jerry Kindle was one of the main speakers. I just I gave him a shout-out today. Uh, he's our video of the I, week at 2008 in Philly, I so I... Yeah, I love our video library because it's it's kind of a historical record of, you know, the titans we've had in the game. So I'm trying to dive deeper into our video library just to to kind of honor the the titans that have come, and we we miss that's Coach Kendall a, a lot. That's a great question because I remember trying to develop my own philosophy on you know all parts of the game and listen to Jerry talk about hitting and. Uh, Straight on thin ice. I can remember that like he said it yesterday. My high school coach said it all the time, stepping on yeah. thin ice. And then Gordy Gillespie, uh, back in those days, you couldn't get in there fast enough to listen to things he would he would say. No lovey-dovey baseball. I can still hear him saying it now. And uh, So many other great clinicians over the years. So I'm you know, trying to think back what year that might have been. It was, it was early on. I want to say it was in Chicago, too. Really good stuff. I mean, what really does it good. mean to you going into the ABC Hall of Fame? When Craig Kylitz called, and I don't know if I told you that story or not, I kept getting these calls and said Greenville, Greenville, and I thought, I don't know that number, so I'd, I'd just hang it up. So finally, one morning, it's like the fifth time in two days, three days, that I'm walking, because I was working at Chelsea at the time, pinch hitting, and uh, I said to my wife that I was walking out the door, like eight o'clock, I said, this call keeps coming in here. So I answered it this time and being a real smart alley, I got two German shepherds and they're standing next to me. So I answered the phone, German shepherd kennels. I figured it was just another, you know, robo company trying to sell something. And the voice started talking the other and I just hung it up. So I get in the office and my son calls, said, dad, there's a phone call that you have to take. And I said, well, does it happen to be from Greenville? He goes, I don't know. Just take the phone call. <laughs> so this, the administrative assistant at Chelsea had gotten called, too, and she said, are you talking to Joe about the phone call? I said, yeah. She goes, take the phone call. <laughs> so I had to apologize to Craig for uh, blowing the call off five times. But uh, So that that's how I uh, found out about it. And uh, to be say I was a, a little bit embarrassed was, was probably good for me, but uh you know ryan to to have this uh happen to me at this point in my life it's nothing you ever do the work for uh, but i could not be more joyed 
humbled and uh, excited about going into the, uh, the Hall of Fame of the ABCA. With I look at just this year's inductees, and I think I don't belong with those other yeah, nine incredible guys. Um, but I'm so thankful for it, and I'm excited about it. My entire family is. Uh, we don't do it for any of this stuff. Uh, never have, and it's all about the kids and the people you do it alongside with. Um, but um, uh, I don't even know what to say. Any other shout outs you want to give? Well, there's so many people in my career that have impacted me, and, and I've tried to learn from everybody, and I still do to this day. Um, you know, the, my mentor I mentioned, uh, Coach Ballister, was. He became, uh, you know, my father in a lot of ways after I lost my dad. And uh, he was uh, my freshman football coach and the head basketball coach at Chelsea. But he was my life lifetime mentor. And his sons and I and his coach's wife and I are still close to this day. Um, and, you know, the people at Chelsea from our football coach who hired me, Bill Barris was the AD and... Uh, you know, and then, you know, of course, my family, my wife, Shelly, has been incredibly supportive of all the things I continue to chase around. And my kids are, they're all in on it. And, uh, you know, then to work with Rich uh, Maloney and, and Eric Backage of Michigan and their staffs, uh, the staffs that uh, Eric had at Michigan. I just had dinner with Sean Kenny uh this week and talked to chris fetter and michael bradar uh nick schnabel that whole crew of guys on eric's staff so many incredible people uh, and rich and i are close and talked to his son alex who's you know a big part of rich's staff now at ball state and alex was a freshman my last year at chelsea and and uh, so i've been i've been blessed to be around guys and then lastly i'd say ryan my coaching staff at chelsea um like I said, I did it myself the first year, and then I bumped into a local guy who I didn't know at all, and, and uh, his name was Akel Marshall. He ended up coaching all 33 years with us, um, never paid a penny, never missed a day. Um, I got enough guts to walk in the back of my neighborhood in Chelsea one day because I heard Fred Holsworth um, was in town, and Fred was a uh, Hall of Fame athlete at Northville High School and 10-year big leaguer with the Tigers and Orioles and other teams. So I knocked on his door one Sunday and introduced myself and actually handed him a sporting news that I had that had some little clip about Hank Aaron hitting a homer off of Fred. <laughs> and uh, Fred ended up coaching with us for 20 years. And um, you know, Randy Breyer, my high school teammate, mentioned earlier, so many guys, now Adam Taylor back coaching. Um, so the staffs that we had at Chelsea, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but so many really good guys that are lifetime friends. And have, uh, it's been a rich, uh, rich career in so many ways. When did you realize the type of impact that you have on people as a coach? Uh, you know, you always want to think you're doing it right and you're doing it great. Our, our state title team in 91, um, and I thought we had seven teams out of my 33 that could have won, were good enough to win, and one of them did. It's hard to win it all to win your last game. It's just hard, you know. Uh, and being part of that 2019 at, at Michigan that 
played for the national championship. I can remember an hour before the game, Eric and I are in the dugout, standing next to each other, and we looked at each other at the same time, and the same words came up, can you believe we're about ready to play for the national championship? But one of our former players at Michigan, Eric Jacobson, said, teams that win together stay together. And that 91 team of ours at Chelsea was a great example of that. Those guys, there's not a, a week goes by I don't hear from one of them, if not daily, and they stay together. And the words that they say about their experience at Chelsea, I, I will always treasure them. And But I'd say that about all 33 of those teams and all 10 at Michigan. I love the players and stay connected with them. Just spent an hour on the phone with Michael Berdar yesterday, our shortstop at Michigan, who's now the hitting coach for the Tigers, and we're just breaking it down and uh, that's the magic so I, piece of teams that win championships, the chemistry piece that, yeah. that people from the yeah. outside that don't really know about athletics have never been in a clubhouse or a dugout. They don't realize like there, there's some magic and there's some work with those players yeah. to stay connected to each other. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's just those championship teams. They connect with each other as human beings and it's all behind the scenes stuff that you never see you see on the field but you never see any of that stuff how connected they are and then you see them later on in life same thing with the championship teams that i played on you're still connected to them and it it was that that brief time you spent together it's amazing that that connection still stays through the the life journey afterwards yeah yeah so many amazing people have uh, made me a better person i know that so Thanks for your time, Coach. Coach, thanks so much. Seeing in Dallas. I can't wait. I've always enjoyed my interactions with Coach Weldon. He's one of the best people we have in the game. He's a true servant leader. Congrats again to him on being inducted into the ABC Hall of Fame. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoachB underscore ABCA, or direct message me via the MyBCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Wait.